like sports, I could do something in sports. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a color man. Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcasting. Well, that's really not fair. Hey, what's up, everybody? So this is an exciting episode uh, because I'm joined today by our first ever guest. Uh, he's a bit of a legend on uh, Raptors Twitter. Uh, someone that I had the pleasure of working with um, when I spent the few years with the Raptors. I think he was there for the tail end of my my career there. Um, he's the current host of the Walder Sportscast. So make sure you subscribe to him on, uh, I guess, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Uh, he spent time at The Score, uh, Raptors HQ, uh, and The Bleacher Report. I, th- I think I covered anything, but if there's anything I missed, just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Chris. Well, if I did have a Wikipedia page, you've basically elaborated on it tenfold. And thank you for calling me a legend, which is completely undeserved, but I appreciate the compliment. But uh, yeah, I'm just I'm still in the Raptors media game. I have the sports uh, the, my podcast, uh, the Walder Sportscast, which I'm doing on the regular. I have a bunch of guests on you. Like you said, download me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podbean, the whole nine yards. And I'm just having a lot of fun right now. You know, we're obviously in the midst of a global pandemic. I'm trying to keep myself busy, trying to make some money on the side. And you can find me on Twitter and social media. I'm still uh, keeping it big there at Walder Sports. Yeah, you, you, you do a lot. So like if, funny thing, um, just for for our, our thousands and thousands of listeners, it's it's nowhere near that. But the so when I reached out to you uh, to kind of set everything up, it, it's kind of funny that like the last thing you finally asked me about, and I don't even know if you maybe knew about this before, but you're like, Hey, did you block me on Twitter? <laughs> and, and you, and you even came out and said, this is the first time I've ever, I've ever done a, a podcast with somebody who blocked me. Yeah. We were about to make history until you figured that out. I was like, Jesus Christ, I must've said something back in the day that really pissed this guy off. But I did, as soon as you hit me up, I remembered exactly who you were like we, we used to work together for the, the toronto raptors game operations department you were one of the the head honchos on the staff we all looked up to you and i always remembered you treated me with respect so when you asked me to do the show it, it was a no-brainer but then i checked the twitter following of of your 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 podcast your youtube show and i was like is this his twitter account because he blocked me does he realize this but again i knowing me and and the stuff i spew on twitter I, it was probably deserved you and thousands of other people have probably blocked me there but thank you for the unblock yeah yeah and, and you know what so I, I was saying that it wasn't actually that i even realized it so i checked first of all i i have never blocked anybody so when i went on and checked my block list you were literally the only one there so either i was like it was like a, a drunken like just a one drunken night where i i, I saw something you said and i did I completely disagreed with it but most likely yeah. I don't even like, I don't know the process to go through to block somebody. I'm sure it's a few clicks. Yeah. I don't know. Fat fingers, like my hands aren't, <laughs> aren't necessarily the the nicest. So maybe that was it. I'm, I'm going to stick to that because like, I don't want to <laughs> offend you or anything, but it was just, it was just hilarious that that's how we kind of started after like, well, I don't know. When was the last time I saw you 11, 12 years ago? It, it, it's been a hot minute. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen you again. Good to see you, but don't even worry about the block again. It, it's probably, we talked before we started recording here. I used to do a lot of pro wrestling tweets and now that I'm prominently a basketball guy, it was probably the wrestling stuff that was like, ah, get this guy off my timeline. So again, I deserved it. Don't even worry about it. Water <laughs> under the bridge. I, I don't think it was that. So actually if we, if we get time at the end, maybe we can throw a little bit of uh, of wrestling talking. Cause sure. I, I'm one of those guys who watched when I was a kid. I don't know if you're, if you're still following, yep. but I just started watching again, maybe like, 
I don't know, three, four years ago. And it was the whole, the whole bullet club thing pretty much like brought me back. And I went back to like new Japan and then I started watching old matches and stuff like that. So maybe we can get into that a, a little bit later. If we, if you got some time to stick around, you're, I know it's, you're speaking my language, brother. I'm a huge new Japan AEW fan. And I still watch WWE occasionally following the product, but it's easier said than done these days. So I, I kind of keep my options open with wrestling companies, but yeah, if you want to, you know, shoot it with uh, some wrestling and talk at the very end, I'm all for it. Yeah, perfect, perfect. So, so we'll start with uh, with the NBA Finals. Uh, Lakers up two nothing. Um, and any surprises with the series? Is this kind of how you thought it would go, or uh, I thought it would be more competitive. Uh, obviously, you can't account for injuries. It's a shame what happened in Game One. You saw so many bodies go down. Uh, I mean, Jimmy Butler has obviously continued to play, but he, he rolled his ankle there for a bit. You see Bam Adebayo with his shoulder sprain. Shoulder sprain. It looks like he's going to miss the game tonight. And then Goran Dragic as well. There's there was only so much a team like Miami could do against the size of the Lakers to begin with. But now that they're missing bodies and they're missing firepower on offense. Again, this is kind of just a, a formality at this point that the Lakers are either going to sweep the Miami Heat out of the playoffs or maybe they'll do the gentleman sweep at the end of the day. It's a shame because, you know, th- these playoffs have been one of the best in recent memory. And I think a lot of that is attributed to the fact that they're in this bubble. There's no home court advantage. It's I've, I've kind of said this on Twitter many times. It's basketball in its purest form. You know, you have the two teams out there just going head to head, no outside interference, no, you know, outside, you know, noise, you know, you have the screens and the fans or whatnot, but that's not really impacting the play. So the best team is going to win no matter what, but here, you know, and and there's been so many great moments, which we can round off later, but now you get the finals, you get the Lakers and the Miami heat. One of the the great stories of this postseason. you know, the, the fifth seed, I believe making all the way to the finals and now the Lakers are just walloping them. And, you know, we're just a few days away, probably from Larry OB being crowned to L.A. So it's disappointing. But, you know, again, you can't you, you play who's in front of you. And if Miami's hurt, there's not a lot you can do about it. Yeah. And and it's it's really it really is too bad because I would like to have seen what Spolster would have been able to come up with uh, in the series. Just just seeing like depth was their was their biggest thing going into the series. And the fact that like, I know, I know in the, in the playoffs, you don't really necessarily go like one to eight, one to nine, but I mean, at least Miami could roll out some different lineups and do some different things. And once you start to like my first, when, when Jimmy rolled that ankle, I'm just like, man, if they lose Jimmy, like th- this is definitely done. But then it was even worse because bam and Goran and like you you just it's so hard to recover from that and then from that and you, the size is just a, such a massive factor and you can see it inside lebron is just doing whatever he wants when he gets into the lane ad grabbing boards and he's just he's been playing like a monster um but it, like it's it i really wish we could have seen what would have happened if both teams had or if if the if the heat had been full strength but i mean like you said the lakers can only play who's in front of them and it is what it is but just your take on the whole fanless aspect. Do you think that's changed how you've been consuming these games? Because I found myself like game two, and maybe it was just a product of the way the game was going. I, I just didn't find myself engaged. Has that changed the way you've watched things? I think at the very start, 
of this whole bubble experiment, it was kind of wearing on me a bit. You know, I was used to just like the ambiance of an NBA playoff game. You know, I was fortunate enough to catch a lot of the Toronto Raptors playoff games en route to their championship, both like in the city, you know, in the arena and whatnot. So to, to get that atmosphere, it, it was electric and it, you can't say it doesn't impact the players because at the end of the day, it did a lot of good, but here in the bubble, you know, it, it's, it's weird times. We're going through a global pandemic. There's not a lot you can do in terms of getting fans into the arena. They're trying to filter in crowd noise, which came off really fake and cheap to me, but I understand why they did that. And then they did, like I mentioned earlier, with the video boards, getting fans through Zoom calls and whatnot, trying to add to the atmosphere. But I think the deeper we got into the playoffs, I think just the basketball itself took over for me and obviously I was invested because the Toronto Raptors were were still in the thick of it and they had the storyline of trying to repeat as champions without Kawhi Leonard so I was I didn't find myself you know noticing the little the little things about uh the product and and like the television presentation and whatnot but uh I've, I've even heard people on social media saying you know even if this pandemic comes to an end maybe we should continue to do stuff like this maybe have the basketball in neutral arenas I wouldn't go that far, but again, we don't know how long this thing is going to last, but ultimately, yeah, I, it, it hasn't really uh, affected me too much, but I can see why it would to others. Does, does the, the pandemic and kind of the shortened season and, and just the, the overall format, does that, does that cheapen the, I mean, I'm, we're going to, I'm working on the assumption the Lakers are winning, but whoever wins, does that cheapen what, what they've done? Do you think it takes anything away from the championship? No, I, I hate when people say that, you know, whether it was this season or last season or, or any season when a champion is crowned, it's like, oh, there's a, a we should put an asterisk on it because yada, yada, yada. You know, with the Raptors last year, it was because, well, you know, Kevin Durant came back and he was immediately injured. Clay Thompson was out for a game and a quarter. Like, this, this isn't a true championship for the Raptors. But And in the case of the bubble, it's like, okay, we had this giant gap between the end of the regular season and then pushing everybody into Disney World. So a lot of players got out of rhythm. A lot of players lost their momentum. And you can make, a, again, correlating back to the Raptors, like a guy like Pascal Siakam, who was tearing up the league during the regular season. And then he has this layoff and he comes back and he never really got his feet underneath him inside the bubble. I would... I. There's no way I'm going to asterisk this entire championship. I thought no matter who ended up hoisting Larry OB at the end of this, they were going to have to go through one of the hardest paths imaginable considering everything that was going on in the world and everything going on inside the bubble. So if the Lakers end up winning this, which they probably will, they're going to absolutely deserve it. No more talk about, you know, like LeBron James' fourth championship is cheapened because it was inside the bubble. Get the hell out of here. They absolutely deserve it. Although you could go back to like some of the teams they had to beat along the way, you know, where they didn't end up playing the Clippers or whatnot, yada, yada, yada. So yeah, this, I'm not even worrying about stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, you think back to like, you know, lockout years, was the Spurs that won in that 90, 98, 99 lockout year against the, against the Knicks. Like you think back at that. No, nobody now ever looks back and says, nah, that championship didn't mean anything. Like I think eventually people forget. And also I would think that the fact that it's, it's LeBron, uh, and and people love. I mean, there's a lot of people that love him, but there's a lot of people that hate him. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that it's LeBron, people love to take things away from him and knock him down a peg just because of the name. I, I, I hate to bring it up, but it is kind of a storyline at the end of the day with the Lakers is that, you know, the unfortunate passing of Kobe Bryant. I think it would kind of be a feel good story. You know, they wore the black Mamba jerseys recently and I thought that was a nice tribute to Kobe, but 
you know, the, the added, you know, pressure of having, you know, Kobe's death this year lingering on the team and being able to rally the troops. LeBron James, you know, the reason he came to Hollywood, you know, it wasn't just because of the the roles and, you know, the things that the positives it could do for his production company. It was because he wanted to elevate the Lakers back to prominence. And then you have the Kobe Bryant passing. I think it would just be a nice feel good story for the Lakers to walk away at the end of all of this with the championship. So do you think the the narrative of LeBron James throughout his career kind of, um, you know, hunting for rings and, and, and just shop, you know, ring shopping, I think as people have put it, do you, do you think, do you, do you buy into that at all? Like, do you think that's what's actually been happening? No, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I guess you could make the argument that he was doing that when he went to the heat, you know, getting his, uh, his boys, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch to come together. Because once that trio was formed, it was just, again, inevitable that those guys were going to win one or two rings, even though they were saying not four, not five, not six, not seven when they got together. But uh, I don't think he was ring hunting. I mean, look, when he went back to Cleveland, uh, they were still, they still had to go up against uh, an elite and all-time Golden State Warriors squad, and they had to come back from 3-1 down in the NBA championship to get their lone ring together there. And then going to the Lakers, it's not like they had Anthony Davis and all of these role players waiting for them there. Like They basically had to gut the roster to make this a championship-caliber team. So to say that this guy is ring-hunting is very unfair to LeBron James at the end of the day. And I, I, I watch a lot of sports talk, uh, talk shows like m- prominently from ESPN and whatnot, and they're saying, how will this affect LeBron James's legacy you know winning in the bubble winning a fourth championship winning a third championship with a third different team it's like look this guy is established as the Mount Rushmore player in the history of basketball if you want to say he's the second greatest player the third greatest player or even the the greatest player of all time I think nothing that he does from now until the end of the career is going to really tarnish anything that he's done his legacy is cemented and I don't think any, you know, ring chasing or whatnot. At the end of the day, he's one of the goats and he's going to be forever be a multiple time champion right up there with the the Kareem's and the Michael Jordan's of the world. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think when he went to uh, when he went to Miami, I definitely bought into that because, I mean, that one was a little bit more apparent that that's that's what was going on. I mean, you're joining forces with with Wade and, and Bosch and, you know, they they scripted that beforehand. So I, I definitely bought into it. And that's part of like I've said it on some of our previous episodes that I've, I've been a, a big LeBron hater in the past. But as as he's gotten a little bit older and, and I kind of spoke about, um, you know, my, my time as a kid when when MJ was around, I, I didn't appreciate MJ. Because I, it's it's just in me to normally hate the best player unless he's on my team. So I, I kind of changed over the past few years where I'm like, you, you know what? I just you got to just enjoy him because we're we're seeing greatness. Um, and and the fact that he's gone like he didn't go necessarily to teams that were that were already established. Like he didn't do the KD move and yeah. and jump on a team that was already a champion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it was kind of starting from ground zero, especially especially with the Lakers. Like there was nothing there. Yeah, exactly. It's like you said, you don't know what you got until it's gone. And there's going to be a time where LeBron James isn't running roughshod through the NBA anymore. Like he is getting up there in years. It it makes you appreciate him even more so. The fact that he's still as dominant as he is. Like, again, I I found it easy for for me to hate LeBron James back in the day because he had the decision. He went on national television and basically announced that he was leaving his hometown team, which I thought was a bit 
disrespectful and cheesy at the time, but he ended up winning two championships in Miami. So all the power to him. And then he comes back to Cleveland. And as a Raptors guy, again, I know how hard it is to get through him in the Eastern conference. He, he, he swept us out of the playoffs twice. And then our first Eastern conference finals appearance, he beat us in six games. So yeah, of course it was easy, easy to detest him. But I think at the end of the day, you just look at his body of work, everything that he's accomplished both on and off the court. His legacy is not only as one of the greatest basketball players of all time, but as one of the greatest professional athletes of all time. So it it almost sucks to imagine the NBA without him. That time will come, but thankfully not anytime soon. Yeah, 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 for sure. I think I think he's he's still got a few more years left in him, which is which is crazy. You look at you look at his career overall and like the the shape that he's managed to keep himself in and and like just the he had one year where he really had like injury issues and like mm-hmm. he, he's been pretty impressive. And I think that's, that's, you know, that's saying it, you know, that's being a little bit uh, like underselling it. Yeah. Just a little bit anyway. <laughs> yeah. So a championship, what is that? What do you think that does for, for Frank Vogel's legacy? God, I never really thought about Frank <laughs> Vogel getting a championship. I think yeah, right? it, it's hard. It's hard when you're, the coach of LeBron James because you're never going to get the credit that you probably deserve. I think, you know, having all of these new faces on his roster, two of the top five players, not only in the league, but the planet with Anthony Davis, a guy who might end up winning finals MVP when this series is said and done. And then like having other big brash personalities. Like, did you ever imagine a team with LeBron James, Dwight Howard, Rajon Rondo, like a J.R. Smith, a Dion Waiters, like all of these guys under one roof and to make that work. So I think Frank Vogel deserves a lot of credit. I wouldn't place him as one of the, the greatest coaches in the association. I think that kind of like inner circle is cemented at this point, you know, with the Eric Spolstras, the Greg Popoviches, the Rick Carlisles. And I think Nick Nurse is elevating himself into that conversation as well. But I, I think Frank Vogel de- deserves a heck of a lot of credit for what he's doing. But at the same time, he's coaching LeBron James. So how much is he really going to get at the end of the day? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's he's in the I guess the enviable, but at the same time unenviable position of mm-hmm. of being LeBron James's coach because yeah, you're never you're never gonna like they could have ran through and gone you know eight, eight, like eighty two and zero if it had been a regular season, and I still don't think he gets the credit because at the end of the day, people look at the team and it's AD and LeBron James, and you know primarily LeBron James. <laughs> Well, you could have put us, uh, one of us on the sidelines and we probably could have got them to at least the second round in the Western Conference playoffs, but Vogel got them over the top, I suppose. I'm not sure I look good in a basketball jersey, man. My arms are just flabby and and like I I would, I would not even want to be on that sideline. I'd be wearing just the, the shooting shirt all day. Shooting shirt. I, I meant more so as like a head coach. We can wear some proper, you know, look, have a proper fit on, you know, we can coach the Lakers to a championship. Yeah, or yeah, at I, least, sorry, I, th- I thought you meant as a player. No, no one wants to see us out there dropping threes. I mean, no one uh, would probably defend us. We'd have some open looks, but uh, a little, a few clanks off the rim every now and then. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm glad you mentioned Nick Nurse because because the Raptors did some some important work in 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 locking him up, and I know they still got some work to do on uh, on Masai, which is probably the one where everybody's kind of like you know a little bit nervous about because mm-hmm. you know he's he's kind of been uh, the catalyst of everything that's that's happened. I mean, we we've had some some we've had some not not so like interesting front offices in the past. You know, Glenn Grunwald did some some good work in in his day. Um, uh, BC, you know, Brian Colangelo. I don't, I don't, yep. I'm, I'm a Brian Colangelo lover because that was the era where I was working for the Raptors. And I remember Brian standing around in his suits looking all good and he, he <sighs> just instilled confidence. But like Messiah is just, just on a whole other level. Um, yeah. 
So just, I mean, I guess we can just talk about like the the nervousness that maybe some of the fan base is feeling around Masai not being locked up yet. Uh, uncertainty, uh, being a Raptors fan, again, it, it's hard not to see him locked up. I think it's just a formality that they are going to offer him whatever he wants to keep him around. Even if he did walk, I don't foresee a circumstance where he would leave for another team. And I know that the New York Knicks have been kind of bantered about as as a destination for him because there's a lot that he can do in, in New York City. But at the same time, if he did walk, I kind of see him going off on his like philanthropy. Philip, I can't even say the word, but like philanthropy, philanthropy efforts or whatnot. God, yeah. it's it's a Sunday morning we're recording this. Don't Sorry, make me man. pronounce again. that again. But like his charity endeavors and and his work on those fronts, like I think he would focus more of his attention there. I think you know you can make the argument that he's taken this Raptors team as far as he can go. They won a championship. He, he made like this drastic move, getting rid of one of the franchise's top players ever in DeMar DeRozan for a shot at Kawhi Leonard. And we didn't know how that whole uh, process was going to finish, but they won a championship. So where can this team go from there? There's going to be a lot of rebuilding over the next couple of years. We don't know where this offseason is going to take us, if Fred Van Vliet's going to stick around, if if Marcus Saul's going to go to Spain, or how much money it's going to take to keep Serge Ibaka. We at least have Masai Ujiri around to kind of take care of those immediate efforts. But in terms of the long term, what is this going to team look like five, ten years down the road. And hopefully Masai Ujiri is around for the long haul to kind of work his magic again. But for everyone on social media who's kind of like sweating over potentially losing him, I wouldn't go that far. I think he is going to stick around. And I think MLSC is going to do everything in their power to make sure he's happy. Whatever he wants, just lay it out on the table for him. Yeah, and I think you're right. I, I don't see him I don't see him leaving for another team, but it probably will be some philanthropic effort that, that he there goes you go. to, to pursue. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was practicing it in my head the entire time. That's why I, I had the, I had the, the runway to practice it. But exactly. um, like you said, we, we've, I'm glad you mentioned it. Like he, he's not, he's not been afraid to make the the big deal where it might ruffle some feathers in, in the DeMar move. Um, so with, with Lowry and his big contract and, you know, a- ending at the end of next season, do you foresee a world where the Raptors would actually go on and, and make like people have been talking about building a statue for the guy now? And, and mm-hmm. you know, do you foresee a world where they could possibly move him before the end of his contract or like what, what do you see happening in the, on the Lowry front? Oh, God, well, my heart says I hope he ends up sticking around and finishing his career off as a Toronto Raptor. But at the same time, this might be the peak of his value. And I could totally foresee a circumstance where the Raptors do kind of entertain trades for him. You know, he has one year left on his deal. If he's ever going to provide value to a championship contender, it's going to be, you know, next season and the season after that, because there is going to be a drop off. I, I always seem to compare Kyle Lowry to Chauncey Billups, who the two have a relationship where Billups kind of peaked into like his early to late thirties, you know, with the, the Detroit Pistons and then so on and so forth. Uh, you know, a lot of I could see Kyle Lowry, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers need a point guard at this point. Maybe a deal could be struck with Philadelphia, but I, I don't think uh, the Raptors are in a rush to move Kyle Lowry. He was probably the team's most important player during this entire postseason run, not just as a as a basketball player, but as a vocal leader. And if Lowry steps away, who becomes the voice in the locker room? Who's going to be the next guy to step up and be like, I'm carrying this team. Is it going to be a Fred Van Vliet if they can come to a contract with him? And again, that makes re-signing Van Vliet all the more important because with Lowry's future uncertain, who's going to be your point guard of the future? Van Vliet has kind of elevated himself into that spot, but 
Lowry is, is such an integral part to, to this franchise. And I think the Raptors are going to try and keep him around on a short-term deal. Maybe just kind of keep giving him the, the one-year offers, paying him what he deserves at this point for everything that he's done for the organization. So, and when his career is over, his jersey is going to get retired. Maybe he'll even get a statue outside of the building because he is the greatest Toronto Raptor of all time. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And the leadership is is the part that kind of like, you know, worries me the most because you're right. If he's gone, is is it Van Vliet? Like, yeah, maybe. But, you know, we, we've seen uh, eras in this in this franchise where, you know, let, let's say the the the, the Chris Bosch, Andrea Bargnani era where mm-hmm. there wasn't a true voice in the locker room. There wasn't that one guy, you know, you're, you're going to grab somebody by the collar and say, you know, we got to do this and we got to do it now. And that's that's absolutely what what Lowry is. Uh, lead by example, emotional leader, like it, it, it's, it's all of that. And I hope they don't move me either because like you, you lose that. And then you're right. It, it makes the, the, the Fred Van Vliet contract all the more important if, mm-hmm. if you eventually do end up doing that. And so that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about as well. Like how high do you go for Fred Van Vliet? Because there are some teams out there with some money who can, who can potentially, you know, kind of throw a wrench into the Raptors plans with Fred. Well, here's the problem. I think the Raptors want to keep as much cap room available for the following summer. You know, all the rumors with Giannis Antetokounmpo <laughs> trying to give him a, a max contract, trying to bring him north of the border. So you don't want to dig into those funds too much. I think, you know, in, in the 20 to $22 million range for Fred Van Vliet, you know, give him the money that he's he's certainly warranted for himself, but not you know, you know, handcuff yourself for the big payday, like the big summer with Giannis and so many big names on the open market. I think Fred Van Vliet, I worry about teams like the Knicks, like the Detroit Pistons, uh, or even like the Phoenix Suns to a lesser extent, teams that are in desperate need of a leader, desperate need of a point guard that can offer him max money. But when you're Toronto, you can say, hey, you've kind of built yourself up over time here through our farm system with the Raptors 905. You've become a championship caliber point guard. We saw how you performed against the Warriors on the big stage in the NBA Finals. We see you as an integral part of our future. And this is a winning organization. The Raptors have been one of the most consistent franchises in the league for the last decade. And to provide him that assurance, it can go a long way when you're negotiating a new contract with him. Do you really want to see yourself ending up with the Knicks, a team that's been in disarray for so long and and trying to start over from scratch with a team like that it's not exactly alluring to a guy like Van Vliet unless they offered him you know vastly more money but I think the Raptors are going to pay him at the end of the day but again not to dip their toes too much into 2021 yeah and I think anywhere above 20 starts to make me a little bit nervous Mm -hmm. um just some of the limitations you know he, he can get he can get to the rim but sometimes when he gets in, we saw it in the playoffs where, you know, he'll throw up an off balance shot off the window or something. But so it, it starts to make me a little bit nervous when you start to get too high and not even too high, just into the 20s in general. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that they can definitely sell him on the fact that, you know, this is this isn't just about money. Sometimes it's about winning. And he he does strike me as the type of guy where, you know, winning and being in a good situation is important. So I, I, I just hope that they don't have to do anything crazy where they're starting to dip into that 2021 money. Cause I would love to see Giannis here. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. I still don't believe that we ever had Kawhi Leonard and that we won the finals. Oh, that, that didn't happen. 
as far as I, it was just kind of like a passing memory. Like I, I still need to go back and watch some YouTube clips of all of the great moments we had during that championship run. But going back to Van Vliet, like he is, if you're going to play him off ball, if you're going to have him as your two guard, he is undersized for that position. And we saw that during the final play of, of game seven, where yeah. he was basically swarmed by like a, a Jalen Brown and he threw up a wild shot that could have got the Raptors right back into it at the end of the game. So there are some issues that come with that. But again, Lowry isn't going to be around forever. You do need a point guard to build around for the future. And Van Vliet should be that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree 100%. Um, so, I mean, it still remains to be seen what's going to happen. Like there's still a lot of uncertainty with this, with, with the offseason and what, what some other teams are going to do with the money that they have available because, you know, TV wise, uh, are there going to be fans in the arena? There are so many questions, which, you know, we don't even know when the, when the next season is going to start. So it's, it's going to be a weird offseason. Yeah, we don't even know what the cap is going to look like at this point. It's probably going to go down because of all the money that's been lost. So how much money can they really offer a Van Vliet at the end of the day? But I have I have faith in this front office. It's not the Colangelo days of old. It's the Masai Ujiri, Bobby Webster area, era. So uh, I'm all for that. I have faith. Yeah, yeah. So, so do I. So, I mean, that brings us to, to I guess, some other... Some other areas that the Raptors need to address. I mean, you you mentioned you mentioned it before. Uh, two big men who you know were unsure what's going to happen in in Gasol and and uh, Serge Ibaka, um, and then you also like in the playoffs you could really see some of the limitations offensively. Uh, I, I know the Raptors have you know over the past few years with Nurse they've they've kind of tried to be a little bit more uh, more fluid offensively and not necessarily rely on you know sets or, or like pick and rolls and. and the way maybe the Celtics do um, like what, what do you see as, as the, the, the number one thing that they have to address this off season? Uh, I mean, it's kind of what we've been talking about. I think Fred Van Vliet is the number one on their priority list uh, to a lesser extent, Serge Ibaka. I think you can come to a, a cheaper deal with, with Serge, although I can't see teams overpaying him based on his postseason run. Uh, you're going to have some space freed up because I, I do think, you know, even with these rumors kind of dissipating a bit, I don't think Marcus Gasol is going to be around next year, whether he's still in the NBA or he's overseas in Spain, which I think is the more likely outcome. I just think they need to continue to shore up their depth. I, I think, you know, I, I've seen names like Norman Powell kind of being thrown around as like a trade asset. I know that the, the Pacers are probably going to look to move a guy like Victor Oladipo, for example, see what kind of a package you can put together for a guy like that. But I think at the end of the day, it's just going to be like those end of bench guys that you're going to have to rehash through. I, I have a lot of faith in guys like Terrence Davis and Matt Thomas kind of elevating their roles next season. So I'm not worried too much on that front. You know, a guy like Rondé Hollis Jefferson, is he going to be around next season? Probably not. I look at a guy that Raptors Twitter has seemingly fallen in love with, like a Harry Giles, for example, <laughs> a guy, a big man that you can kind of rebuild, you know, throw into your farm system and, and see what you can get from there. A guy with a lot of promise that really hasn't found his footing in the NBA. I think you can get him on a cheap deal and, and see what you can turn him into. But the Raptors core is intact. Pascal Siakam, still your guy, as as sad as that postseason performance was, I think he's going to come back a lot stronger and a lot more motivated to kind of shun the doubters who turned their back on him during these playoffs. And I think you're still going to get another all-star caliber year out of, out of Kyle Lowry. I do think Fred Van Vliet's going to still be around. It's just a matter of keeping those contracts intact. Like I said, keeping Serge Ibaka around for as, as little money as possible because I think he is an important part of this roster. I don't want to see the Chris Boucher era starting earlier than it has to. I don't I don't foresee a circumstance where he's like your starting center heading into next season. So I think it's just keeping as much of the core happy and intact as possible. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a matter of kind of the way they did last offseason, getting getting creative with the with the mid level. Uh, and, and you know, last year was what Stanley Johnson, uh, Rondé. Um, maybe something, something along the lines of those. I mean, <laughs> Stanley Johnson didn't really give us much. I, I like some of what Rondé was able to do, but you know, you bring up Harry Giles. That's, that's one of the names that I've, that I, you know, I would definitely be interested in. I'm a, I'm a Duke guy. Um, and, and just, you know, just the, the athleticism and, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't had the greatest start to his career, but I, I, I think there's something there. Um, and I think it was Blake Murphy that mentioned in an article where, you know, he, he was kind of throwing the name out there. Um, yeah. Another name that I've seen is Chris Dunn, which might be interesting, but both these guys, depending on the money. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really high on Chris Dunn, but again, you, you take a flyer on some of these guys and see what you can do. I think the Raptors are kind of building a reputation around the league of kind of turning a player's careers around like Rondé Hollis Jefferson kind of fell out of ex- out of ex- into ex- obscurity there for a bit. He came in Toron- to Toronto. I don't think he he lifted himself up that much, but he had a nice stint here in Toronto as kind of like a, a defensive wing who is horrible around the rim. Don't get me started about him trying to score when he's three feet away from the bucket. But I think he does have value at the end of the day, and I think another team will bring him aboard and and he'll provide value there. But the Raptors roster, it's all about they've they've found a lot of success over the years, just kind of moving parts in and out. You know, who's who foresaw a circumstance where Matt Thomas was going to be uh, an important part of this roster? Who thought that Terrence Davis, another un drafted guy was going to be making an all rookie team at the end of the season like these are guys that you know you could bring pretty much anyone in to fill out those like eight nine ten spots and get some production out of them yeah and, and there's probably going to be a lot of those gems considering that you know there 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 isn't there's no ncaa tournament that you know there was no ncaa tournament this past year so you, you can a lot of teams miss out on some of those guys where you know they might have had a good run in the in the in the tourney and you know they start yeah. popping up on on teams radar so maybe there's going to be some of that value uh hidden in the draft which i mean i'm, I'm not crazy about this year's draft especially at the top end but i mean there's still at, at the low end I, I think there's still some guys that you know they can plug in there and you know given their history of player development i think they can they can make something work well, the Raptors just won a championship where no one on the roster was a lottery pick. So I think that just goes to show that they know what they're doing in terms of building a contender. Yeah. And, and since we're talking about building teams, so I was listening to one of your old episodes uh, mm-hmm. where you guys were drafting the worst Raptors players. Uh, I, I, I just want to throw out there. There there were a couple names that you guys missed. So I'm sure. going to throw these out. Chris Jeffries should have been on one of those lists. Uh. Yeah, I remember Chris Jeffries. You would pick him over some of the other names that we had because we threw out some real, uh, so, real bad players out there. Th- there were some real bad players, and there are a couple that I don't think should have been on that team. The other name sure. that should have been on there, Nate Huffman, because. <laughs> so I like when when as soon this is one of those names where like I go back all the time and I'm just like you know I, I look at the the crazy moves and I think this was a Babcock move because he yeah. made some dumb moves during that time. I think when we were doing that episode, I wanted to throw out some names that were bad, but that were memorably bad. I think some of the names that you're throwing out there, like a Chris Jeffries, if you were to to ask 100 Raptors fans who Chris Jeffries was... I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised to hear if 10 or, or more people remembered his name. Like when, when we were throwing out like an Andrea Bargnani who wasn't, you know, terrible, but 
he, he was more bad than <laughs> yeah. he was good as a number one overall pick. And then guys like Rafael Arujo, who was a lottery pick, uh, Vincenzo Esposito, who was a name from the past that I, yeah. I had to bring up because I was looking at his numbers. That was a really fun podcast to do. But again, it just goes to show how bleak those times were for the Toronto Raptors and how fortunate we are to have someone who knows what they're doing in terms of taking care of this organization. And the fact that we're a champion, I'm going to be, I look, I, I think I have it here with me. My, I got a, a gift, uh, one of these uh, replica championship rings that I keep on my desk here to remind myself that this actually happened. Oh, do you have it right there behind you? I, I, I don't. So I actually oh, have... Oh, is that 905? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I went to the final game. So like... Oh, I, very I cool. It up. Yeah. I, it, and then I picked... Uh, I went to the opener the the following year. So I got the yeah. ring there. But uh, since nice. you mentioned since you mentioned Hoffa, just a funny story about that. Um, mm-hmm. So I have... Like I've owned one Raptors jersey in like the last 20 years probably don't tell me it was hoffa no 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 so (laughs) this is where it gets funny so i went to center sports at the time and was looking at the the sale jerseys because this is when they're transitioning from uh the purples to the reds right so i'm looking at the rack and they they got a bunch of like they had you know lamon murray i think was on clearance um you know they had a bunch of boshes yeah, and I'm looking at the and and these were authentic. So I think authentics in those days were like 150, and they were going for like 30 bucks. Wow, um, okay. with our discount, like we 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 used to get that discount, like 50% oh yeah, yeah, off yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at the rack, and I come across a Hoffa jersey, and I look at my brother. I'm like, hey, should I do it? He's like, <laughs> really? I'm like, you never know, man. Like, so it, it wasn't that I thought he was going to be a good player. It's just, yeah, he looked like he was like. You know, coming across him in the arena, he seemed like a nice guy. Yeah. Um, and I just, I rooted for him. Like, I was the president of the Rafael Araujo fan club. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> and I was looking at it. I'm like, dude, I, I could probably get this signed too. And yeah. like, so this ball, mm-hmm. that's a Charlie Villanueva autograph ball. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I, which which I got, like, I, somebody somebody helped me out to get it. And yeah. like, you worthless probably now. Like I, I think I think the the signature might devalue the ball. Um, I, <laughs> I feel a, like it's a nice heirloom to have. I just have it because it looks nice with the Raptor. Like I, I like yeah. the claw logo. So like, but yeah, sure. I, I was I was really close to buying that jersey, and I'm so glad I didn't because that would have been a big mistake. It would be a cool uh, vintage look to bust out at a Raptors game once we're all allowed to go back to Scotiabank Arena. Imagine walking around the concourse with a Rafael Aruzo jersey on. It's a nice conversation starter for you and other Raptors fans. Yeah, 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 exactly. So the the two names that I I didn't think should have been on there, Rafer. Come on, Rafer, man. He was the best when he was here. And the other one, Tabak. Um, just because like, if you look at what the, what the, what the organization had to go through in those years that like, I, I was doing some research on like, you know, kind of how the draft worked for the, for the Grizzlies and the, and the Raptors mm-hmm. and man, like they, they had slim pickings. Like, I think it was pretty much like number 13 to 15 on the roster that they were picking from. Well, shout out to uh, the guys I did that podcast with, uh, Jason Lung, my audio engineer, and uh, Jay Rosales. I'm pretty sure those two were picked by the two of them. So they were, yeah, yeah. director blame at those guys. I I wasted my picks on Eric and Aaron Williams. I, I couldn't believe they were still on the board. I was like, that's one of the worst trades in NBA history. We got chump change for our franchise superstar, Vince Carter. So I, no matter what anyone says, I won that draft by picking those two alone. I a hundred percent agree, but no, it, it was a great episode. So anybody watching, just go back and uh, go back and listen to that because it, it was really entertaining. It was kind of fun living like every once in a while, I'll go back and on, uh, on basketball reference and just look at some of the rosters that we had. And like, 
brutal. Some, some brutal teams. Shield your eyes. Some of those rosters should have age restrictions on them because only the the oldest, uh, gentlest of eyes should be able to look at them because those those teams are really bad. But thank yeah. you for the kind words. And uh, again, some I'm happy we had Kawhi Leonard. I'm happy we have Kyle Lowry. We, we have a lot of good players now. Let's not return to those days. Yeah, the days where we were celebrating the uh, Atlantic Division, which yeah, hanging yeah. those banners in the in the arena. Yeah, God, I'm glad those days are over. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was present when that was happening, <laughs> and we were really excited. I think we had T-shirts and stuff, man. It yeah, was just, we were it was, so happy. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't want to keep you for too much longer, but like, I, so I, I did say that we maybe talk about a little bit of wrestling. So, mm-hmm. um, what, what's your what's your wrestling consumption like right now? Uh, I, I don't, I used to watch Monday night raw a lot, but investing three hours every Monday uh, on a product that is extremely subpar, is just not happening anymore. And I don't want to watch wrestling too much because I do live with my girlfriend and I don't want to subject her to that, the trash that I used to watch. Um, a big AEW fan. I watch dynamite every single week. I've been a follower of those guys when they were over in new Japan, like Kenny yeah. Omega and the young bucks. And I try to order the pay-per-views as much as possible to support the company, because I think wrestling is better when there's a direct number two, who is challenging WWE. I don't think it, they're ever going to overtake them because it's Vince McMahon and they're this, you know, billion dollar conglomerate or whatnot. But at the same time, it's nice to have an alternative. And I think AEW is that right now. I'm also trying to watch or follow as much of new Japan pro wrestling as much as possible i think they're doing a lot of good overseas trying to contain you know the coronavirus they're they're washing down the rings between every match they're keeping social distancing in the stands and and no one is even allowed to scream as as, as, to the best of my knowledge they all have their masks on but they're not allowed to yell or do anything that would impact those around them uh the g1 climax is going on right now which is some of the best matches in wrestling all year shout out to tomohiro ishii who's who's the mvp of that tournament so far but that's basically my wrestling consumption I think there's uh, an NXT takeover tonight, uh, to the best of my knowledge. I think uh, Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly, which is supposed, I think is going to be a great match for the yeah. NXT Championship. That's yeah. tonight as well. So WWE has kind of fallen to my, my second and third option. But AEW, that yeah, that's where my wrestling love is right now. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm well, so after, after pandemic, the pandemic hit, that's mm-hmm. pretty much where my wrestling kind of, I like I stopped watching entirely. And it was just because like, I, I I don't know what it like I can't do it without the fans like the fan reaction is a, is a big part of uh of, of selling a match and and you know like mm-hmm. you know sometimes there are good really good matches that happen and and there's no crowd involvement and like it really changes how good a match is so yeah. I haven't like I think post like March I don't know that I've really watched which is a shame because I was really starting to like AEW and and I like I missed Matt Hardy going there um mm-hmm. I I missed the whole exalted one um saga you know kind of like yeah. coming like you know the reveal and everything uh i rusev i know i was flipping around rusev is now there um yeah. i don't know what his name is now but miro that yeah right exactly yeah. so like I, I was really starting to like AEW because like you i, I watch all of these guys yeah. uh in new japan i'm um, like kenny i'm a, a big kenny omega guy like hangman page so i like when I started getting back into it, it was just one of those random things where um, I was flipping around a few years ago and I, and I came across uh, Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. And um, it was probably when they started bringing some of the Bullet Club guys over and they were doing the crossover with New Japan. And I, I know I had seen the Bullet Club shirts like around and I'm like, what the f-? like, what's Bullet Club? Like, I mean, I, so I, I like I started to get into it and then I started to go back to to when uh, when Finn was, you know, Prince Devitt. And it, yeah, it, 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 it kind of sold me because it, it gave me that. NWO feel 
um, which I think they've, I don't like, I haven't watched new Japan lately, but I, I feel like bullet club has kind of, kind of lost that, that feel it's, it's not as exciting anymore. Maybe because it's been around too long, yeah. but um, yeah, it, it's uh, like, how, how do you feel? So like, just going back to, to WWE uh, Roman Reigns heel turn. Oh, I'm that's the best thing going in that company right now. Like hands down, there's not a lot to look forward to these days with WWE. I think Drew McIntyre has kind of exceeded my expectations with his WWE championship run, but they've run that feud with Randy Orton into the ground. I'm not exactly looking forward to them having, I I assume they'll probably be in the cell at the next pay-per-view. I'm not really into that anymore. And they had that stupid storyline at the end of raw where he went in with fake night vision goggles and started attacking legends (laughs) with, which I thought was really dumb. But this Roman Reigns heel turn is they should have done this four years ago. If they knew he was going to be this good as a bad guy, they really dropped the ball in terms of not having him be a bad guy so long ago. But I like this alliance with with Paul Heyman, this storyline with Jay Uso, which has a lot of realism to it. You know, I thought Jay Uso had a really good promo on SmackDown. I believe it was last week where he was saying, like, you know what people say to me when when they look at me? You know, which one are you in terms of him being a twin? When they look at you, they look at you as like the tribal chief. It's like the man, the, the universal champion, you know, the guy who puts food on our table. And I was like, holy shit, this is what I've been waiting for with this company for so long. Let's roll with this. And I, I thought they were going to, you know, shift gears and maybe go to Roman Reigns and The Fiend as the next pay-per-view. But that feud was so damn good with, with Uso that they're continuing it, which I think is great. So if there's the one thing in WWE right now, which I'm really into, it's that. I, I used to be all for the Sasha Banks and Bailey feud as well, but yeah. I think that's they've kind of extended that too much. They're going to have a match on the next edition of SmackDown, which is probably going to end in shenanigans. I don't think they're going to give away that one this soon too free. But again, it's I, I listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts. That's how I kind of maintain my consumption uh, for Monday Night Raw, which I don't really watch anymore. But yeah. when I heard about the Roman Reigns heel turn, I was like, God damn, I have to I have to watch this and see what it's all about. So it's been a plus material across the board for that. Yeah, and I, I so th- that's kind of what got me back into it lately. It said mm-hmm. I, I I remember reading an article somewhere that Roman Reigns was finally going to make that heel turn, which like th- you're right, they should have done that a long time ago. So that that kind of piqued my interest a little bit. So mm-hmm. I'll tune in every now and then, but it, it's just you're right, it's 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 difficult to get through um, any WWE content right now, other than like NXT was one the one that I kind of always always stuck with because yeah. I just I just love the characters, I, I love the matches. It was just a completely different style from from what the what the main roster was doing but uh yeah i i saw like one of your tweets to to wei ting who, who like i i've been i've been following him and john Pollock for 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 a long time and they kind of like even so when, when like when the law was still on um mm-hmm. i had i had no for like 10 years i, I didn't watch wrestling but yeah. for whatever reason i would still listen to the law yeah and um, it kind of kept me up to date with what was going on so even when like i wasn't watching and i didn't know i i wasn't seeing roman reigns fight i knew all the hatred for roman reigns because like he just didn't work as as a face and nobody was buying it mm-hmm. shout out to john pollock and waiting i hope to have them on my podcast uh, sooner rather than later i'm a proud patreon subscriber to postwrestling.com i think those two are great i, I appreciate their opinions on professional wrestling because more often than not i agree with them i, I think maybe uh, way and i differ uh, in terms of certain things on monday night raw but it's all good i like hearing those uh differing opinions especially when it comes to wwe because a lot of people have a lot of different thoughts on that company but again it, and i used to be a big uh, 
consumer of NXT as well. But here in Canada, uh, I think they air it prior to SmackDown or either that or the yeah, Thursday night. Condensed. Yeah. So I like watching AEW live when it happens or whether yeah. it's taped that week or whatnot. So I, I try to watch that every Wednesday. But for NXT, I, I follow along online and maybe I'll kind of pick my matches on YouTube when they upload the clips or whatnot. But for the takeover tonight, I think they have a really stacked card, not only O'Reilly and Balor, but I think the women's championship match with Io Shirai and Candice LeRae. I remember their match from uh, TakeOver Toronto, which was one of the yeah. best matches on that card. So I'm looking forward to that tonight. Spoiler, I might foresee a, a, a title change. You know, maybe if they're going to draft Io, Io Shirai to the main roster, we'll see there. And uh, Kushida, who has, hasn't really taken off in NXT, but I think he's going to get a big win tonight against Velveteen Dream. So I'm going to keep my eyes peeled on that big show tonight. Yeah, yeah, same with me. It's it's been a while since I watched a takeover, but takeovers are usually really entertaining. They're always my my favorite, like you know, WrestleMania weekend or whatever it is. It's it's usually yeah. my my favorite show to watch. So I'll, I'll probably tune in. My, my fiance, like I I got her into I got her into wrestling just because I always had it on. <laughs> She's like, oh, this this is actually pretty good. So I'll probably she, she'll definitely be down to watch. But it'll kind of be one of those things because uh, what time is the what time is the Lakers game at today? Does it uh, matter? Are we watching this thing? Or do uh, we know? Yeah. <laughs> so I have a nice setup where I got the I got the TV right here and I got my computer here. So like mm. I'll, I'll probably have the the basketball game on the small screen just in case anything yeah. interesting happens. But yeah, I'll probably I'll probably watch some wrestling tonight. It's been it's been a while. <laughs> it's all good. I mean, yeah, I'm not too interested in watching Game Three tonight. Again, I think it's just a formality. But who knows? Yeah. Maybe the the heat will shock me. Tyler Hero will drop 50, and then uh, Duncan Robinson will drop a 40 piece alongside him. I don't know. These playoffs have been weird. 2020 has been all over the place. A lot of stuff can happen tonight. Yeah, I mean, hey, hey, 2020 brought us back together. So, like, I, I don't want to take <laughs> too much more of your time, Chris. But uh, seriously. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, the, this has been really fun to talk to you again, catching up. Hopefully we can do it again. Um, if you want to, if you want to plug your stuff before we end this off. Well, again, thank you so much for having me again. And thank you for unblocking me on Twitter. That means a lot to me. Uh, this is a big deal for me, but again, it was so nice catching up with you. I remember our time from the Raptors and you were such a nice guy to me and treated me with respect. And that meant a lot to me. So I'm so glad I got to do this. And whenever you want to have me back on, just say the word. But uh, again, for everybody out there, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports. And please subscribe to the Walder Sportscast. I'll be having new interviews coming up soon. Again, with the Raptors out of the playoffs, it should be easier to uh, get interviews these days. But please subscribe to the show on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your shows. Yeah. Again, again, I really appreciate it. And for all the all the viewers or listeners, just remember to subscribe on YouTube. Uh, hit the little bell for notifications when we post something new. Um, follow us on Instagram. Um, you know, we, we've, we've almost hit a thousand, which is like, I never thought like when we had 20, 20 people, like I, I didn't think we'd ever get there, but, um, box in one pod, um, also follow us on Twitter. I'm not super active on Twitter. I mean, apparently I block people and, and, and never even realized it, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just, um, you know, um, subscribe to our, our podcast and, and just listen, comment, um, and just give us some feedback. Uh, we really appreciate hearing from you guys, but, um, Chris, again, it's, it's been a pleasure. And uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Yes, sir. Sounds good. Are we finished? Done.